know what that means? Everything. Anglo-thieves. Gettle's gone. Oh my god, you people have just failed me. Failed me utterly. Congratulations, Scotland. We have just gone so I hear an awful lot of judgment in your voice. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 47 of Anglo Fees, where I would sing the Olympic theme song, but NBC would come around and bitch slap me for that. So I'm not gonna. Hi, I'm Raiden, and I'm mad at NBC. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Alina. And I'm Kaylee, and welcome to 2016 Summer Sports Games Fun Times. Fun Times, run by one of the most corrupt organizations this planet has ever known. Yeah, FIFA wishes it got to this level of corruption. Don't take that as a goal, though. Don't. Please, don't. Yeah, let's not. Let's not. Let's, let's not. Let's not. Let's not. You're. G- <laughs> I don't want to say you're good just the way you are, FIFA, because you're not. But don't take this as a challenge. So as we're recording, it is the last day of the Rio 2016 games. The closing ceremonies have not opened, happened yet, but we've had 16 days of watching people in the best health of their lives, you know, doing exertion things. Well, I mean, at least I've been sitting on the couch eating pizza, watching <laughs> <don't> other sweat. <laughs> do, do we all know our country's uh, closing ceremony flag carriers yet? They announced the Canadian one just now. It's Penny Alexiak, who's a swimmer. She's the one who shared the gold with Simone Manuel, right? Yes. Oh, good for her. There was a lot of joint winners this year. I liked it. Yeah. There was a lot of smaller countries getting medals. Like, Fiji got their first Olympic medal ever. It was so cool. It the was whole so country cool. shut down to party. Right? In it. rugby. Rugby came back for the first time in many, many, many decades. Over a hundred years, maybe? And Fiji won it. And it's their national sport. And it's their first medal ever. There were a lot of moments like that. Like when um, Brazil won its first gold in women's judo. Mm-hmm. And they pulled her into the stands. And it was so beautiful. Up. It was so beautiful. <laughs> And last night, Brazil won football, soccer, football. Football. Football, um, let's not do this soccer crap. I'm, <laughs> it's two I'm, versus one. We all, we have one no, I, I'm just doing that for our American listeners who may not understand that, that American pointy football that doesn't actually involve feet <laughs> is not what I was talking about. That's why I said football first. Fair Thank enough. you. So, get off my back. I'm trying to be inclusive. Fair enough. Thank you. Anyway, Brazil won the football gold medal against Germany. So, getting revenge for the World Cup. Oh, man. I have great memories of watching that game. Yeah. <laughs> and they partly left the room to get a drink in Germany yeah. school. And they won it in penalty kit in a penalty shootout, and the stadium was packed, 
and just the video of the entire stadium lustily singing out their anthem. Like, oh my God, that's one of those perfect Olympic moments that can't be scripted. Like, if you scripted that, your producer would be like, but come on, though. Come on. <laughs> there were some really sweet moments of uh, sort of smaller countries, our athletes uh, doing really well. So the first female athlete from Iran to win a medal, uh, one of the bronze at the Taekwondo this year. Her name is Kimaya Alzadeh. Alzadeh, I'm so sorry. But that was a really wonderful moment. I believe there was a, ra- a wrestler from Japan won and celebrated by throwing her coach across the ground several times. It <laughs> was beautiful to watch. Oh yeah, and Team GB did really well. Yeah! There was so much winning. Canada has, has done pretty well too for, you know, summer for games. Summer, for, for summer games. I mean, half of that is still Penny Alexiak, who's 16 years old! Yeah. These were supposed to be her training Olympics. Nobody told her. <laughs> yeah, nobody told her. <laughs> but this was the thing that was very strange for Britain to just the expectation that came of, well, now we have, now we're over, we have to win stuff because we're always winning now. And you know what? Validation is nice. It is cool to watch the Union Jack fly and be really proud of it and not see it instantly assuming it's being tied to something political or racist or jingoistic mm-hmm. like I've enjoyed that I've been intensely uncomfortable with the way said patriotism has been yielded as a kind of purity test I think America has had this way worse than us oh um, definitely oh yes we had two runners competing for Britain who were born and raised in America their mum is British so they chose to compete for Britain and there was some weird rhetoric around that I was very uncomfortable with. There is still really weird, uncomfortable rhetoric around Mofara, who is our best long-distance runner and won two goals, and has done it all in the name of Britain when he could have done it for Somalia, and it's still not good enough for some, because, you know, racist arsehole. I mean, it was bad for us. There was a lot of kind of... I mean, it was mostly Piers Morgan, and no one listens to him anyway, so fuck him. Uh, I think America got it way worse. I mean, Poor Gab Douglas. Uh, mm-hmm. She was treated abhorrently. I mean, the the saga of Gabby Douglas has been going on. Certainly, uh, I mean the the beginning of the saga of Gabby Douglas started in London when people were like, "Oh my God, her hair!" And I, it wasn't just white people going oh my god her hair there were black people going what's wrong with her edges why isn't she taking care of her hair she's representing us um so (laughs) that was a super awkward thing and then at olympic trials she wasn't she wasn't great at olympic trials and she was still selected for the team and if you look at kind of her her trajectory, her performance over the entire season, and the fact that she tends to peak just at the actual right moment and not just when she's trying out for a team, then I I absolutely understand why Marta made the decision that Gabby should be on the team. And I think that was the right decision. 
certainly better her than Michaela Skinner, who has been known to say some pretty racist shit on Twitter and Instagram. Anyway, and then during the medal ceremony for the women's team gymnastics final, Gabby didn't put her hand over her heart during the national anthem. Now, being a reasonable lawyerly sort, I went, huh, where does that come from? Where where did we get the idea that that is a thing that we should be doing? So, being a reasonable lawyerly sort, I looked it up. And it turns out, in federal law, there is a section on the national anthem that does say that citizens who are not a member of the military should put their hand on their heart during the anthem. Should is a very specific term. It does not say shall. So people saying, oh my God, she broke United States law by not, by not doing that, they're, they're wrong. Because it's just a suggestion. And I do note that there are a number of other American athletes, like, say, the guys who won gold and, I want to say, silver in the shot put, for example, did not put their hands over their heart during the medal ceremony and the anthem, and no one got in their face about it. Note that they are two white dudes and not a young black woman who is daring to be awesome in public. Yeah, I think I'm, until this controversy, I didn't realize this. there was any hint that this could have been like law or requirement. It's just so weird to me. Yeah, it's really I, discomforting. Because have you watched after Gabby Douglas, every American who won something, or I would say about 96% of every American that won mm-hmm. gold, like you could see... It was kind of weird, and I strongly, I didn't actually look up when this was put into U.S. law, but I kind of strongly suspect it has something to do with the 1950s and the Red Scare and communism, and there's there's a lot of weird American patriotism stuff that came out of that time that we just still do, because that's what like my parents generation grew up with doing because if you didn't then you were you know liable to be pulled up before the house on american activities committee i mean not really probably maybe <sighs> turns out you weren't as different from the soviet union as we thought no not really no poor i just felt so sorry for gabby douglas because when they were writing about um the interviews kind of saying how how shitty this last Olympic turned out for her, right? Like last like the Olympics is supposed to be a good time for the athletes, even if they don't win. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where they give it their all, and it's a great atmosphere to be in. And that wasn't Gabby Douglas's experience. It was really horrible, and mm-hmm. I just hate that on her behalf. Yeah, yeah, same. And I hate it even more now that uh, Eminem's celebrity impersonator is getting the full. He's just a kid treatment for literally lying to the authorities yeah 32 fucking years old he's 32 he's not a kid and he depending on which version of like if you're if we're going with the current version of the story which is probably the closest to the truth so far because it really does not paint him in a good light like the whole destruction of property thing was 
kind of on his instigation and he's the one who did it and he left his younger teammates who certainly looked up to him holding the bag and like one of those one of those guys had to pay $11,000 in order to get his passport back we haven't actually said a name so for anybody who really avoids any news Ryan Lochte US swimmer US swimmer dumbass <laughs> dyes his hair to match the metal he's 32 years old oh my god so he he claimed that he and three teammates i think there were four of them in total were yep. robbed yep. Uh, in in a very strange description of the robbery story during which he like he kind of made himself seem like half superhero and half like oh like like oh whatever you're pointing a gun at me like yeah, yeah like, that, that's what you do during a robbery <laughs> It I mean, so bro-ish. it's so bro-ish, which is why I was like inclined to sort of believe it because it's like, okay, that's super drunk American bro-y. That sounds like, that sounds like something a really stupid bro would do. And Ryan liked, he's a really stupid bro. Yeah. There was a piece a couple years ago when his reality TV show, what would Ryan Lochte do, came out. Because yeah. that was a thing. That was and a thing. Linda Holmes from NPR wrote a piece about sort of the commodification of being an idiot. <laughs> or at least appearing to be an idiot. And she argued, he's probably much smarter than that, but he knows this image is profitable. I think he's just stupid. I think he's really dumb. Here's Here's one of the latest quotes that I just can't get over. It's how you want to make it look like. Whether you call it a robbery or extortion or just paying for damages, we don't know. I, none of these things are what? like each other. Like, <laughs> not even remotely like each other. Yeah, and one of my... I can't say original theory, because like the story has changed so many times over the past four days. Are your lawyer senses not just firing and all silver? My My lawyer senses are just going... Oh my god. Thank god that this guy is not my client. He's <laughs> <laughs> I don't handle stupid people well. <laughs> um but since the story broke because his mom told the media and told Which of NBC. Of course she did. Because would, would, well, my mom would. <laughs> right. That this all started because he didn't want his mom to know that he was acting like an idiot. To which my answer is, dude, <laughs> your mom knows you're a douchebag. Whether or not she chooses to acknowledge it, she knows you're a douchebag. <laughs> like, you've been a douchebag in public for so long, for your entire adult life, which I, you know, hesitate to remind people, has been 14 years because you were 32 fucking years old. <laughs> she knows you're a douchebag. So, like, lying to keep your mom from knowing exactly why you needed to borrow some money from her because you handed over everything you had to pay for a door or a sign or a thing you broke? Like, come on. So, like, a security guard waving a gun and saying, no, you have to pay for things. I can see why someone would call that robbery, but you know, neglecting to mention that 
that they broke the door and were peeing on things. And yeah. Like, yeah. Do you remember? I don't, I don't know who said it. I think like a commentator from one of the big broadcast networks on come to the news when it came out that it like, no, it was a security guard. And yes, there may have been a gun involved, but there was some commenter who's like, well, in America, that doesn't happen. Or we don't do yeah. <laughs> At which point all of Twitter was like, um, <laughs> it does though. Like, where have you been for the past? Right. Right. Oh, you mean it, it doesn't happen to white douchebag bros? Well, that's kind of true. Yeah. I think I would have I would have found the whole thing much funnier because it's completely ludicrous. It is it's such a ridiculous daft thing. I would find it much funnier if the narrative hadn't immediately swung to the stupid kid thing because as Ray mm-hmm. mentioned, he's 30 fucking 2. He's older than me. Yeah. At that age my dad had two kids called age 12 and 9. Yep. If you haven't seen the clip from NBC Today show where Al Roker is justifiably angry that this guy lied and is getting away with it and some jerk called Billy Bush mm-hmm. is trying to... He says he's being devil's advocate. I don't think he is. First of all, he tells Al Roker to calm down. Yeah, that's never a good idea. And as he keeps talking and trying to say, oh, well, it was a mistake. We all do stupid things. Al Roker has an ice drink that he's slowly stirring with a straw. <laughs> <laughs> and he just got that look on his face of, you are never going to recover from what I do you next. Yeah. It was so beautiful to watch. I'm only vaguely familiar with the people on like the American morning shows. So like, uh, that's, you that okay. Pretty cool, and I know that Matt Lauer's a dick. That's about it. Yep, and I I did watch what they aired of Lauer's interview with Lochte last night, and just Lauer's. I mean, even when Matt Lauer is disappointed in you, you have done <laughs> fucked up. That's a low bar. <laughs> Like, Matt just has this look on his face, like, I can't, what, even, you lied to me, dude. I'm on your side, and you lied to me. I asked you pointed questions for, you know, Matt Lauer. It was very Tyra Banks, I was rooting for you, we were all rooting for you. (laughs) Such a mess. And I'm sad that overall, it will probably not affect his public persona because he's cloaked himself in the you know, in the masquerade of yeah. idiocy. It's like you're not Channing Tatum bro, you are just bro bro. Yeah. I, I should to mention you in the same sentence as poor Channing Tatum. He did nothing to deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, Ryan Lockett didn't do that great sometimes. No, and I mean that's the thing is like he's he's a a very dumb dude. I I believe it was the New York Times who described him as the dumbest bell to have ever rung. Oh, that whole paragraph is Pulitzer Prize. It's just beautiful, and he's you know he's pretty good at swimming, and if he 
hadn't been born into the age of Michael Phelps and Katie Ledecky, then he would probably be considered, you know, very good at swimming. But he does live in the age of Katie Ledecky and Michael Phelps. So, I mean, he found a thing that he was good at and he capitalized on it. But unlike Rob Gronkowski, who is a football player, um, American football, with the New England Patriots, who is also not a smart dude, but he's really good at football. And he's, he's like a golden retriever, bro. (laughs) Like he runs and he catches a ball and he knocks people down and he is very happy to do that. And And his name is Gronkowski. Gronkowski. His, his nickname is Gronk because of course it is. (laughs) And he has, you know, a stupid amount of money and what he did with that money. And I hope to God he's got a good financial manager um, is he went out and he bought a party bus and he drives around Boston sometimes with his party bus. Please tell me you've been on the bus. I have not been on the bus. (laughs) You mentioned, you mentioned. Bucket list. (laughs) Bucket list, bucket list, definitely a bucket list. And and Lochte is not like that. He is not a happy-go-lucky bro dude. He's just really stupid. <laughs> can we stop talking about him now? <laughs> yes, we can go back to, again, Gabby Douglas versus an American swimmer. Because um, what about... Do you remember how Michael Phelps' kind of angry game face became this quick meme? Yeah. Yeah. But then Gabby Douglas dared not look happy for her. For her teammates for a split second that the camera was on her. Right. I mean, it, oh, I, I have some kind of complicated feelings about Because, like, when she didn't make the all-around final and she, and, and, like, she knew that this was a possibility. I have prepared remarks on why I'm totally fine with the two-per-country rule in gymnastics. And we'll get to that. Um... But she certainly knew that not making the all-around final was a possibility. So when it was clear that she wasn't going to, she took a couple of minutes. She's always been self-contained and not as much of a joiner in team hilarity as the other girls in both London and Rio. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to take a couple of minutes and be sad. And she did. And how dare and she. that was that. And then during the all-around final, when Allie got her silver medal, and Madison and Lori jumped to their feet, cheering wildly, and Simone was like, I am so fucking proud of you. Holy shit. And Gabby was just sort of sitting there looking kind of grumpy. Like, that, that wasn't a great look. Um, but, like, you know, she's 20. It was a, (laughs) it had been a frustrating week for her, and it was, and she needed to kind of keep her, herself together for the uneven bars final, so. It's just this weird thing where you're here to, okay, so we want you to be here, we want you to win medals, 
and you know you have to be on your peak performance and it's a hard thing to do but also you know please make your face amenable to the camera at all times 24 yeah. 7 because we need you to look a certain way and just unless yeah. you're a man right and i think there also is a difference between i putting my game face on and getting ready to compete and how you react after your performance is over that's true that is true and but even four years ago Michaela Maroney's you know yeah press mm-hmm. face became a meme and that yeah. was way more beneficial to her than anything yeah. Gabby Douglas did yeah exactly and also four years ago we caught on camera like the moment that Jordan Weber who was the 2011 world champion when she saw that she wasn't going to make the all-around Olympic final, which like everyone had expected that she was going to win. And she was super upset because like this hadn't been part of the narrative that anybody had been preparing for. Mm -hmm. And generally, you know, Gabby's reaction after she didn't make the the all-around final was, you know, perfectly like she took a moment to, master her disappointment and then went and congratulated her teammates and people were like oh my god look at that class as as opposed to jordan weber and i was like can we like not trash anybody in this situation yeah please we had a we had a similar thing happen last week in the men's gymnastics Mm -hmm. uh lewis smith is probably up until up until this olympics the most prominent men's gymnast in the uk um because he did Strictly Come Dancing and won it. And I hate the idea that, oh, you're capitalizing on your fame as an Olympic. And, well, yeah, go make some money. You don't make money as an athlete, you know? <laughs> go enjoy yourself. But he was favorite to win the Pommel Horse final. This came after he had fallen off the horse during the men's all-round team event. Mm-hmm. So all the headlines were, this is a moment for him to redeem himself, which I found rather crass. But moving on, so he does the vault of his, the pommel horse of his life mm-hmm. and gets a great score, one of his best that he's had, goes into the gold medal position, his teammate follows up and does better. And it's clear that he was really upset because this is probably his final Olympics. I think he's about 31 now. And, you know, he obviously was hoping to win and he had a cry. And the cameras did not show him congratulating his teammate. That's the thing. Because he did. Because the next day, BBC showed the clip of him congratulating his teammate. But that was, you know, why the young person Smith? How dare he cry? How dare he so Like, even though he did thank his teammate and congratulate him, we just didn't see. I I was super impressed with how well Team GB did in gymnastics. Oh yeah. I mean, everybody, like. Certainly, like, all of the gymnastics was great. There were a couple of scary falls and scary injuries. Uh, there's a French gymnast who broke his leg on the vault. And, in, like, uh, the very first... That's, yeah. those, those photos. Wow. Haunts me. Haunts me. Yeah. Like, don't look those up if you don't want to actually actually see a leg bending where no leg should bend. Yeah. Um, but they... He released a video on Instagram a couple of days after, and he was up with a walker, and his surgery went really well, and he's hoping to come back. 
it was a clean break at least. Yeah, right. as clean a break as you can get. You know, oh, yeah. so here's the thing. We were, uh, by the way, for our listeners, g- gymnastics is kind of where the three of us really intersect. So for it was blissful. For several days, there was just nonstop stream of DMs. Of right. It's cover. like I was at work during the competitions and... And both Alina and Kaylee totally had my back and were <laughs> sending me updates on what was going on in each competition. So, yeah. like, I didn't get anything done during the men's team competition because, oh, my God, that that competition was so tense. <laughs> so, I actually, that's the one I wanted to bring up because this, this wasn't a controversy, but it was something we kind of chatted about, about the Ukrainian team essentially giving up. Do we want to Yeah, talk? that was yeah. weird. Um... <laughs> And by so, giving up, just to cl- kind of clear up, for set, set the scene for our listeners, what we mean is the Ukrainian team who qualified eighth, right? Because there's the qualification that happens and the top eight teams qualify for the team final. And I believe it was Belgium who came in ninth? Was it, yeah, it was a European team. Switzerland. Oh, Switzerland. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Ukraine qualifies eighth and about like two events in, it becomes very obvious that they're not going to be even in contention for a bronze or anything like that. So presumably in order to uh, just keep the athletes healthy and not risk any injuries or anything, they just, they just stop. That's not okay. According to Oleg who posted to Facebook that night, Oleg Veronayev was the Ukrainian who got silver in the all around, Mm -hmm. um, Barely. That was another tons competition. Uh, what happened was that they, 15 minutes before the competition started, they had one of their teammates. Well, let's roll back 24 hours. 24 hours before the competition starts, each team submits their start list of who's going to be on what apparatus. Mm-hmm. And you can change it. I, I don't remember exactly how far how much they need to give notice that they're changing it. But 15 minutes before the competition started, one of their guys came back from the hospital and was like, I can't compete. And he was the one who scratched on the, the apparatuses. Oh, And so he was injured and either they couldn't submit a change to the lineup or there wasn't time. Like, their replacement guys hadn't warmed up on that apparatus. So like competing on them might've been a little bit dangerous. Like they hadn't prepared at all Mm -hmm. and just hopping up cold would be not a great idea. Um, So the coaches made the decision to scratch. Okay. And that's kind of what happened. And Oleg was like, I really want to apologize to Switzerland because if we had known that was going to happen, that's, you know, I would have, I would have, I would have advocated to pull. So, mm-hmm. so that's, that's what the current version of the story is. I mean, will we ever know the truth between coaching decisions in gymnastics? No, because nobody is open about anything. No. <laughs> Alec, by the way, came, uh, got, uh, what a silver in the men's individual all around and a gold in the parallel bars. Yep. I like Oleg. Yeah, he's kind of the superstar of the Ukrainian team, men's team. Yes. And he, that silver, he got it by 99 one thousandths of a point. 
Yeah, there were some really like close. tight rates. It was tight, and that was another super, super tense thing to be watching on DMs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the winner was Kohei Uchimura, who has won the World Championship six times in a row, and he won in London. Um, he's he is a superstar of men's gymnastics, and he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll try to keep going for Tokyo and. Show my little daughter what her daddy can do <laughs> at home. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I was Aww. really happy. Um, no disrespect to Simone Biles, who I absolutely adore and rules over all of us. But I was really glad to see Sani Webers win the beam final. Yes. She's the flag bearer, no, by the way. She, yep. She's the flag bearer. There are pictures on Go Fug Yourself of the King and Queen of Belgium, or the King and Queen of the Netherlands. Um, Belgium, the Netherlands. God, I've been I've been mixing those countries up all week, and I don't know why. It's just this week. You just started. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just started. I'm sorry. The Low Countries. I know you're different countries. <laughs> anyway, the King and Queen of the Netherlands were there, decked out in orange to see her Aww. win her gold in the beam final. And I'd like to say that that was the first time that I've ever seen a Dutch routine on American TV on NBC. Ever. I've never seen one before on TV. Because there aren't any other countries outside of America. No, sometimes there's Russia. Hmm. <laughs> and I loved watching her routine. The Dutch style of gymnastics is so beautiful. It's mm-hmm. very different. And on beam and floor, it kind of shines. It really does. Yeah. It's very artistically yep. focused over... Overpower tumbling. And apparently, a couple of years ago, the national team coach for the Dutch team was super abusive, and the gymnasts banded together and got him thrown out and got a new coach. And they've improved immensely since then. So, oh, oh. I just want to take this moment since we're in the middle of gymnastics. I kind of want to plug that book we've been talking about. The uh, was it the end of the perfect ten? The end of the perfect ten by Devorah Myers. Yeah, it's it's really good. Um, it's a recent release. Obviously, it came out before the Olympics, so it doesn't capture. But it's so recent that it actually does mention, say, Simone Biles and Laura, Laura Hernandez in their preparation. Yep. So, and it's a really good kind of historical overview of the sport in America and yep. worldwide. Yeah, and like why the the score changed from the out of a ten in two thousand six to the open ended. What does sixteen mean? Well, sixteen means really good. It means really good. It's not nearly as complicated as NBC likes to make it out to be. Okay, question. Yeah. Do NBC have any commentators who actually know what they're talking about? Um, Tim Daggett and Nastia Lukin are both on the commenting team. Nastia, this is her first Olympics commentating. And, I mean, she knows what she's talking about, but she's still kind of new. And she isn't, she doesn't have the, the shut up Al vibe yet. I mean, I I have hopes that, (laughs) that maybe she'll be able to get there. And Tim Daggett, he knows what he's talking about, but he's definitely kind of bought into the well gymnastics commentary is not for people who watch gymnastics a lot it's for people who are just like oh i like to watch flips so we have to dumb it down a whole bunch which i don't believe that is true 
So, for people who want actual discussion of what the fuck is going on and do not want to listen to Al Troutwig's uh, sexist and racist and, quite frankly, disrespectful, because he, he is on the record saying that he just thinks that gymnastics is too esoteric and he doesn't need to learn the rules because it doesn't matter. But he needs to know all of the rules to baseball when he's commenting on baseball. That is an actual thing. He said on the record, on a podcast, in public. Ugh. Yeah. I thought Britain had it bad with John fucking Inverdale. Mm. For those of you who don't know him, he's a British sports commentator. The BBC keep hiring for some reason. He's the man that when Marion Bartoli won the women's final at Wimbledon, he theorized that one day her dad probably sat down and said, darling, you're never going to be, as he put it, a looker. So you really need to excel at tennis. And he's still on the air. And got beautifully dragged by Andy Murray. (laughs) He asked Andy Murray, you know, what's it like to be the first tennis player to win two golds at the Olympics and his response and Murray's response was well Venus and Serena have won about four each yeah <gasps> darling Andy he's so wonderful yeah and he broke uh, his little paperweight oh before we move on I actually want to go back and make sure uh, Raiden gets her in defense of the two per country rule right okay yeah thank I want to know this <laughs> thank you okay so the two per country rule is that in gymnastics this year, next year it's going, or not next year, but in Tokyo in 2020, it's going to change. But each gymnastics team had five members on the team. And in the qualification round, they put four people up on each apparatus. And only two could qualify to the individual all around. Two could qualify per apparatus. And... The reason that the FIG, the International Federation of Gymnastics, only in French, that's why the letters are in different order, have put in the two-per-country rule, which happens at the World Championships and also at the Olympics, is to avoid podium sweeps and to let other smaller countries who do not come from powerhouse nations, like the U.S., like Russia and theory romania is no longer a powerhouse they did not even qualify a team that's a mess i would like to know more about by the way okay (laughs) i'll do my best on that one anyway it's to let other country more countries get a chance and the reason for that is that the fig's goal is to grow and support the sport and one of the ways to get other countries to put money and focus into developing a sport is to give them a chance to compete at the Olympics and competing in the all around will get more countries going, Oh, this is a thing. This is a you know big prestigious thing. And it has super country has been the rule since 2004. So this has been the rule, like the competing life of almost every gymnast out there. Save Oksana Chusovina. Oh, Chuso. And I, I saw people on Twitter going, well, what if that was the rule in track and field? Like, that, there would be riots. I'm like, well, that is the rule in track and field. Each country can only qualify three people per event anyway. So, like, you're not necessarily competing against the 
the straight greatest in the world at the Olympics, you're competing against the top people in each country. Mm-hmm. And so there are certainly more than three runners in the U.S. who could have qualified and done fairly well in, say, the 400 meter races. But we only got to send the top three because otherwise it's just a whole bunch of people from a small number of countries. And that is not what makes the Olympics fun. And that's not what the Olympics are about. So that's why they do it. There are reasons for it. There are only 24 people competing in the all around in men's and 24 women. So like (laughs) tough suck it up. The gymnasts have. Because the goal of the Olympic Games as an organization, it's it's not just to provide a venue where everybody comes and competes. It's also to nurture and promote sports around the yeah. world, globally. Yeah. In theory. In theory. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the lofty goal. The actual goal is to make a lot of money. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, in terms of like the, what's actually kind of, you know, written down and, and you know, yeah, it, it doesn't really nurture a sport if athletes from all the other nations look at, say, the U.S. or like I said, maybe Russia, maybe China and go, well, what's even the point? Right. Right. Like, oh, God, I can't remember her last name. There is a gymnast from um, Armenia who is the first female gymnast to compete for Armenia, Hori Gebeshian. And she she was an NCAA gymnast. She lives in Ohio. She works full-time as a physician's assistant. And she qualified to the Olympics as an Armenian gymnast. And she was a delight to watch in her qualification round because all she got to do was a qualification round. She didn't score quite high enough to make it into the all-around. But... When she finished her beam set, she hugged the beam and kissed it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and I think the stream I was watching had the BBC commentators. And they were like, you never see that. That's so amazing. <laughs> and she had, uh, she performed a new bars mount that is now named after her. And that was, that was her goal, was to go out, have fun, show that there was a reason for Armenia to support women's gymnastics. They have a men's team, but they don't support women at all. So she, she did it on her own, basically. What was the name of the, the Indian gymnast who qualified? Deepa and Karmakur. Did, and did that vault. This is a vault of death. Yeah. The vault that even Simone Biles says she won't do because she doesn't yeah. want to die. Yeah. She doesn't have a death wish. So, um, Aksana Chusavitana and the, uh, Deepa Karmakar. They both perform uh, the Pradunova Volt, which right now has a chance to put the athlete on the podium just because of the starting value, the difficulty value is so high. Yep. But I remember reading that they are actually lowering for the next kind of set of competitions leading into the next Olympics, they're going to um, rescore its value lower simply because they don't want athletes injuring themselves. Yeah. Uh, attempting it's, it. Right now... If you attempt the the Prudnova, see, now I'm totally unsure of my pronunciation because Elena can pronounce it right. Mm -hmm. Um, If you, if your feet hit before your butt, then that's considered a land with a fall. Mm -hmm. 
Um, as opposed to if you, you know, land butt first, then that's a fall and that'll get you a zero. Right. Oksana, if you saw her perform, she kind of rolled out of it. Yeah, and yeah. Doing a front somersault out of a vault is not not, not good. But I it kept doesn't... on thinking that, you know, it, it made me wonder, if this was a less experienced gymnast, because would they have just crashed horribly? Did Oksana's, you know, just years of muscle memory turn, you know, bad landing into a, a safe rollout? You know what I mean? I, think I don't know. There was a male gymnast, Igor something from, I want to say, also the Ukraine, who decided that he was going to attempt a triple front in the vault final. And all of the videos of him practicing in the training hall involved him landing on his back. And everyone was like, oh my god, you're going to die. And I believe that he managed to get it around and land on his feet. (laughs) He ate the place, but he got it to his feet. So it's now named after him. And God willing, no one will try that again. (laughs) Oh, can I have a... I have a funny anecdote about pronunciations. Yeah. It's really quick, though. So... I was watching the, um, you know, watch the cam- commentary, and they're naming the one of the ways. It's like a release on uh, on bars they do, and mm-hmm. the way the commentator kept on saying it, kept on saying that she kept on saying something like Kachev, and I couldn't, and I was wondering like what the actual like. I was like, oh, it's kind of sounds almost like a first name. Like I'm not sure they're usually named after the last name. And when I was reading the book we mentioned, I saw it the written TCH down for the first. Yeah, yeah. I. I saw it written down for the first time, and I'm sitting there, it's like, Tkachov. She was trying to say Tkachov. Oh. <laughs> well then. <laughs> I'm sorry, Russian names are hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I was really delighted to, sorry, I was really delighted just to see Oksana there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, hell yeah, you're 41, and you can do that. Yeah, and she did say that she's at least going to go for Worlds next year. So, I don't know. We might see her in Tokyo. She's just not not yeah. ever going to retire. She just says she wakes up and then she's like, am I done? And goes, no. Um, yeah, and I really wanted her to get on the podium for uh, just because she, the only thing she says kind of left in her career is she's never won for Uzbekistan because yep. she... When she initially competed she st- and, and won, it was still for the Soviet Union or, like, the unified team? Yeah, she was with the unified team in 92. She won silver on vault in 2008 for Germany. Germany, yeah. So she's like, well, if there's anything kind of left to want, it would be to win out for actually for Uzbekistan, which she is. So, so I really yeah. wanted. And just, I just think it's... And I think it is kind of important to show that you don't have to give up on something like a dream just because you feel you've aged out or... Mm-hmm. Se- segue for Kay showed us, there's a British gymnast who's now like the oldest in a hundred years, in over a hundred years, I think for equestrian jumping. Yeah. 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 Uh, Nick Skelter won his gold for show jumping. He broke his neck in 2000. He had a hip replacement in 2010. And then last year decided, you know what, I'd really like to see if I could win gold. And he did. And it was wonderful to watch. Because um, our big hope had been William Fox Pitt. Mm-hmm. Who's probably the most famous equestrian in Britain who's not a member of the royal family. Zara Phillips did not qualify. Um, he was in a coma 
10 months ago. <laughs> so I think we're mostly just glad he's not in the coma anymore. Yeah. So next skeleton got his gold, as did Charlotte Zardan. And I'm really pissed off because she got her gold and her boyfriend was standing in the crowd wearing a t-shirt that said, can we get married now? Oh, for fuck's sake. Exactly. Right, right. Romantic. And all these oh, is that romantic? No. No, that's just greedy. That's so narcissistic. That bugs me more than that sweet Chinese diver his boyfriend was to her. Yeah. Yeah, but just to go back to show jumping, that was a great podium. I mean, first off, this is the first time I've been able to watch Equestrian in several Olympics because I actually had cable this time and NBC broadcast didn't doesn't show Equestrian anymore. They used to in like 92. But didn't you guys actually like win medals this year? Yeah, but that doesn't mean that they're going to show it on NBC broadcast. It was all on cable. Yeah. Do, do, do you have a thing on NBC coverage? Because of the three of us... Yeah, but I, w- I want to go back to the, the show jumping podium for a minute. Because, okay. I mean, quite frankly, that podium was great for the three of us. Because the silver was run by a Swedish dude. And the bronze was run by a Canadian dude. So, <laughs> yay! <laughs> I can be happy... Look, <laughs> the US have won the most medals out of anybody. So I get to be happy for everybody. It has been kind of a, a good Olympic for the three of us in particular, because yeah. a lot of the stuff people we can root for are like, eh, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, nice. and even when Sweden like beat the U.S. women's soccer team, oh, Hope Solo, why? <laughs> Just don't stop. Just stop. Um, I was like, whoa, that's a thing. I mean, at least it was Sweden, <laughs> but that's a thing. See, I. 100% in favor of athletes being sad that they lost and expressing that sadness, you know? Yeah. But Hope Solo was just being a dick. Yeah. Not quite Lindsay Sharp levels of dick. Yeah, but but saying, oh yeah, we lost to a bunch of cowards? How are they cowards? Like, what? Wasn't their response just, haha, we beat you anyway? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Oh, back to gymnastics. We'll get to, but I'm not cowards. Uh, can we lift it up for Allie Downey? Yes. Holy mm-hmm. shit. <laughs> they said on NBC that they were calling her the Lionheart. <laughs> um, so I'm if- really proud of our women's gymnastics team this year. It yeah. Because was- considering the field, I mean, America alone... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Ellie Downey in qualification had a very scary fall on floor to the point that she had to stop and f- not finish her floor because um, she was worried that her neck wasn't feeling right. And they took her off. They tried to get her in a wheelchair and she's like, fuck, now I'm walking off on, under my own power. And they checked her out, and then she came back and did her vault so that the team, to help the team qualify to the team finals. And she did two of them because she wanted to try and qualify to vault finals, which she she didn't do, but still. And she also competed in the individual all-around. And that was just badassery on so many levels. And 
Her sister was also on her team. Too many downies. <laughs> it was really confusing in our DM conversation. Yeah, I was like, which downie? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we were also very proud because our we got our first medal. Well, actually, we, we medaled for women's gymnastics last time round with Beth with Weddle, Beth but Twiddle, Amy Downey yeah. won. No, Amy Tinkler. See, Downey. Too many downies. Amy, Amy Tinkler. Tinkler. She won bronze on the floor. Mm-hmm. And it was very sweet. And they asked her, you know, how are you feeling? She says, well, I find out my GCSE results soon as well. So <laughs> <laughs> They're so young. Canada actually um, did... I mean, it didn't podium, but Ellie Black from Canada finished fifth in individual all around. And that's like the best result a Canadian woman's ever had. And it's within 0.4 of the bronze medal. So good for her. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, the whole women's individual all around was just like. (laughs) It was our happy place. Someone's going to get gold. Ellie's going to get silver. And everybody else is going to fight it out for bronze. (laughs) And And they also sort of happily accepted that. Yeah. You're like, yeah, let's go. We'll be number three. But, yep. Oh man, can I just say Simone Biles' floor routine? Oh, and she looks so happy. Like, yeah, she does it? It's just. Oh. Yeah, the one of the great things about Simone is that she was she lucked into finding the perfect coach for her mm-hmm. at like the age of seven, and Amy Borman understands exactly like how to motivate and what kind of level of push and pull Simone needs and letting Simone kind of figure things out on her own time and like and their their relationship is so delightful and respectful of each other it's so cute (laughs) and it's so great and I love that people get excited over jumping around on a floor to really peppy music. Yeah. I'm still really sad that men don't have to do their routine to music. Exactly. Like, and okay. That they don't have to smile at the end of it. They're celebrating yeah. so much quicker than the women are allowed. Yeah. Like, they basically get to pump the air in joy when they land a jump, whereas the women have to pose and smile and sit perfectly for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are all these little things in the difference between that that really, and this year in particular, just started pissing me off. Yeah, right. I mean, no and... to, to the men's gymnastic teams for USA, but it was it was like swimming pool level bros at times. <laughs> yeah, bless. I mean, I don't. I mean, our men's team is not bad, but the the way that the men's team is trains versus the women's is so completely different because mm-hmm. the the women's team and exactly how this is going to change now that Marta Crowley has retired like this was her last hurrah we don't really know but the women's team about once a month the national team goes to the Crowley ranch and does a week-long training camp so it's sort of a semi-centralized let's check in on how people are doing Let's have the coaches talk to each other and see if they have, see what kind of ideas they can get from bouncing off of each other. And let's have Marta kind of go, okay, this is kind of what I want to see from you guys. And that tends to, you know, that has clearly worked out pretty well. And the dudes go to the Olympic Training Center in Colorado, I want to say Boulder. That sounds right. 
And apparently their training camps are a lot more like summer camp. And more frat bro-y. Of course. <laughs> yeah, so like Sam McCulloch is a good gymnast. He just can't hit when it counts in an international competition. And we see that. Or, well, we would have seen it, except once it was clear they weren't coming anywhere close to the podium, NBC didn't show the men's all around the men's team final at all. Mm-hmm. At all. Yeah. That was the thing. God, your coverage sucks. It's terrible. It's so bad. And it's just it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. I mean, uh, we had a couple Duff commentators, uh, but you guys had a whole level of just patronizing bullshit. Yes. Yes. I mean, like, you you follow American Twitter, and you will see lots of people super angry at NBC. And yes, having cable this year helped, and having cable meant that I could watch live streams if I was, you know, in a place with Wi-Fi and not, you know, at work where I couldn't watch live streams. But you can only watch the live streams on the on the NBC app if you have cable so you sign into your cable provider so if you don't have cable you are stuck with whatever NBC deigns to show on their broadcast channel and if you don't have the broadcast channel because you don't have TV for some reason you're shit out of luck which is one of the reasons that Gymcastic which is one of the the gymnastics podcast that you know updates every week and did a, did an episode every day after each gymnastics competition during Rio they were pretty loopy by the end um posted how to use a vpn and how to hop onto the cbc or bbc feeds yeah because kane i kind of lucked out cbc is actually really good i had trouble navigating their website a little bit in the beginning but essentially any sport you know they've had they have their it's it's all on the cbc plus there's a couple of like side channels which will show some sports and then online just like every sport everything and because it's yep. a public broadcaster you don't have to like be subscribed to anything and just need the internet and or and on the app as well so yeah kind of yeah really yeah i mean that's that's the big problem with nbc is that it's it's not a a state-run mm-hmm. i mean it's a national broadcasting corporation but it's a corporation the key word on that is corporation not national and mm-hmm. so they're beholden to their advertisers, and then they wonder why their ratings keep falling. Well, because their coverage keeps sucking, and they keep doubling down on what's terrible. So well, they wasn't think it, was it at TV? Uh, it wasn't a TCA this year. It was the panel that NBC did to sort of introduce their Olympics coverage, yeah. and their justification for the way they cut it was, well, it's mostly women that watch it, and women don't like the sport so much as they like the stories, which is yeah. just... What? Right. what the fuck? Okay. Why, why do you think women watch the Olympics? Because it's one of the few times we get to see women competing in sports. Right? Mm-hmm. Not that you would know any of them were athletes. I kept hearing about how, oh, well, they just had a baby, and oh, I wonder how yeah. the baby's doing, and oh, there's the man responsible for Katie Ledeke's achievements. Not... Mm her doing all the swimming. No, that was that was the Hungarian swimmer, Katrinka Hunzu, and her coach husband. Katie Ledecky, some people were like, oh, she swims like a dude. And the commentator was like, she swims like Katie Ledecky. 
Do you remember that story? Uh, they interviewed some another American swimmer after Katie. I think I think after her first gold of the Olympics and first whatever it was. Um, and he said, "Yeah, well, swimmers, male and female, can kind of train. There's a few facilities mm-hmm. and they train together and um, they compete. You know, kind of with the, with each other. And um, some male swimmers had to be pulled out of the facilities because it couldn't handle losing to her. I think that might have been Lochte. Hold on a second. Of course, it was Lochte. Because Michael Phelps openly admitted she'd kick my ass. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it was Connor Dwyer. Is he a bro? Of course he's a bro. They're all bros. <laughs> I've loved all of the videos that you only get to see a little bit of before they get pulled, which is when Ledeke won the 800 meters. Yeah. About 14 seconds ahead of everyone else. And the musical cue of, you know, it takes the... The first light of Santana's move before anything gets hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get to it's a hot one before anyone else is even in frame. Which is so funny. And that place was written, so yeah. <laughs> Which, was it the French swimmer who didn't realize? No, can, yeah, Chinese. The Chinese swimmer who, are you talking about the one who didn't realize that she had meddled until the... And she was like, "Oh yeah, I, I think I did, you know, pretty good." I think I, there were a couple of them then because I know I'm think I I know which one you're talking about, the Chinese. But I swear to God, there was also like a French one that did that. Like they don't look at their results; they don't realize what happened. Right. It happened with one of the runners. I think yesterday or the day before. She's just sort of walking off the end, and then she it takes her about ten seconds to look at the board and she realizes she's got gold. Yeah. <laughs> Was there a lot of um, press for you guys? There was a runner who like fell across the finish line. Yeah, actually, yep. we didn't get that. Yeah, much I think she's from Bahamas. Bahamas, yeah. Oh yeah, oh yes, there was lots of press coverage here. A lot of like Twitter and people who are not runners or actually in the press or know anything we're like oh my god that was totally cheating and she cheated our runner out of a medal and blah 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 and runners judges press were all like no that was a totally legit and legal move and you wouldn't be pissed if if uh, our runner had done that so you guys can shut the fuck up didn't an american runner do it a couple olympics ago as well yeah also, it's weird that like, like it's cheating. Well, if it were, she wouldn't get the medal. Like this wasn't secret. Everybody saw her do it. Like it's kind of yeah. a weird way to cheat, quote unquote cheat if it were. Right. And it's not going to encourage a whole lot of other runners to do it because the thing is, if you don't do it as well as she did it, and hers was really a one in a million kind of lunge, you'll just flat on your face and injure yourself. Yeah. I mean, you guys had some assholes. I mean, we have reached a whole new level of asshole today in Britain. For those of you who aren't aware, uh, Caster Semenya, the South African runner, won gold last night. She's faced years of incredibly invasive, undignified, bigoted focus on her body and what's in her underwear and absolute, you know, speculation over her gender. What she has is she has slightly heightened levels of testosterone in her body which occur naturally. A lot of women have it. A lot of women have it don't know it. It doesn't really give her an advantage as a runner because, you know, she has lost races before. But she won last night 
and the British runner Lindsay Sharp, who's Scottish, unfortunately, came sixth. She came sixth and she beat her personal best. Keep that in mind. The first thing she does in her interview with BBC after the race is really double down on some nasty attacks at Caster Semia, basically saying the, the real changes make it impossible to race against her, that it's unfair that she's competing. She starts crying, which I find just completely undignified. Really double down on gender issues. The British did the same thing for Mark runner Paula Radcliffe, who's got some possibly sketchy doping allegations against her, uh, just saying. Basically said should go on testosterone blockers or have invasive surgery to make the race fair. What the fuck? Okay, so the other four then, do they make it fair? Like, four of them beat you fairly and one didn't, according to you, but like this lost you the race? It's so weird. Mm-hmm. Like, even if had to second just been picked up to the post and done that at the beginning, it wouldn't have meant Jack after seven years a better runner. Mm-hmm. But the fact that four other women between is just the best thing. And I'm pretty sure all of them are also black. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you want to dig into that, Lindsay. But I was really disgusted by the way that she, she's issued, it's not an apology. She's just said, well, I think my comments were very dignified and I'm sad people are talking about this. It was cheap. But what got to me was basically the accusation leveled against her that she's somehow an unfair advantage, even though she's had people through incredibly abhorrent gender testing. Gender verification is what they call it. And she's not the only one who's had to after seven years. Duty Shan, who's an Indian runner, I believe, also had to go through the same thing. She has a similar condition of heightened levels of testosterone. Mm-hmm. Um, gender verification. I'm going to read this out from the New York Times, and I, this is pretty invasive. I'm sorry, you may find this upsetting, but I need to contextualize what it is that Lindsay Sharp wants these women to go through. The women who agreed to the procedure of gender verification had to have their labias versus measured. They had to have their have MRI scans to check if have the quote-unquote correct you know, organs be female, they had to have the pubic hair and their breasts measured on a scale of 1 to 5 to feel they were appropriately feminine. Uh-huh. And then physician treating them recommended surgically reducing their clitorises to make them look more typical. Does anyone know what a typical clitoris looks like? Nope. So basically, I mean, this is pure transphobia, right? This is the quote real women because I don't think she cares about winning or losing Captain Semenya. I think she wants Semenya to be punished for being the way that she is, which is the way she was born. And I'm disgusted that so many in the British press are buying into this idea that she's at an unfair advantage when her entire life she's been treated like that. I would never want any woman through the indignity of having someone measure their labia or pooper to make sure it was typical. So if you can't get any high sex, Lindsay Sharp, that's your fucking problem. You want if you want to be sad, be lost, be sad. Alright, I don't care about that. But don't don't you any dare drag someone down like that in the name of sportsmanship. That has nothing to do with it. That's just pathetic. 
and is fabulously shady. She sent out a tweet thanking people for their love and support. And there were a series of emojis, and emoji number six was a snake. <laughs> which is just shade on a level I've never reached. So I hope South Africa are very proud of Casper Semenya. They're fabulous at dragging on Twitter. But that, that, that's made me really mad because it's not what the Olympics is about, and it's just exacerbating a really nasty gender binary that is seen particularly trans women, non gender performing women, really punished. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's already too many places to do a, a real man, a real woman is in athletics, and supposed, you know, men are more than women, and this is why we have this division to make it fair. Mm-hmm. And it seems primarily be black women that are being affected. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a coincidence. Nope. So. Among the the British coverage, I saw this retweet that J wrote. This isn't uh, Castromania, but it's related to like British Olympic coverage. There was a tweet. So um, it's about daily and kind of what he faces when he competes. Yeah. And it's just I you were you were commenting about it too on Twitter Caleb, but just I can't believe that this is still like such a thing. Yeah. Um if you don't know, Tom Daly is a diver. He's a two time world champion, he's a two time Olympic medalist. Um he qualified semi final with his highest score and then in the semi final he came last. It was it was a crash in her. It happened. But Tom Daly is arguably the most public athlete in Britain. He's certainly the most publicly LGBT or openly LGBT athlete in Britain. He's been very public since he was about nine or ten years old. And there's, you know, that pressure's been on him for most of his life. He's now 22. So there was already this reporting that he was going to be the kind of saviour of diving and he was going to win the gold. And it was clear that he was devastated that he didn't qualify, as he had every right to be. The way that so many people hopped on this just say, I've never liked him, he's so overrated, he's a loser, and then get really, really homophobic. Ugh. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even a surprise. That was the sad thing. Yeah, I found a lot of the coverage of that really upsetting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the really nasty supposedly Christian organization tweeting about how well he's not doing so well now that he's turned gay. It's like What? He won a bronze medal last week. Did you see that? Right. He's got two Olympic medals, two world championships, and he's marrying an Oscar winner. Why on earth would you think that he's failing? His boyfriend is Dustin Lansman, by the way. Yep. But the I because there are so few openly LGBT athletes competing. I believe the number was fifty four. And I imagine some of them competed less after that Daily Beast piece, which I'm... Oh, yeah, oh, I haven't God, mentioned that. I forgot about that. So much has happened. Oh, God, these Olympics. And, like, we haven't even talked about any we really big... We need to talk about Rio or Russia being on the sauce. Right, like, the big pre-controversies. This is just... The, the Daily Beast, for anybody who missed that, uh, they had an article where a reporter of theirs... It's kind straight of known... Straight by the way. Straight reporter. So it's kind of straight, known... Straight married with a kid. Yeah. That the Olympic Village is can be a bit of an orgy. Like, 
whatever, they're in a high pressure situation, you know, you do. But this guy went on all the dating apps, including the gay ones, just to see how many athletes he could like catch or whatever. And the article he published essentially outed a few of them, including those from countries where they could be killed for being gay. And it and just not that they, that that's the bar which is disgusting. It was kind of disgusting on every level, but just the lack of any kind of empathy or basic human decency. And the idea that this was a scoop. Yeah, and the yeah. idea that this is reporting like breaking news: athletes in the Olympic Village have sex. What? Con- con- congratulations! You you you've won a Pulitzer. Like what did he? And then first they uh, first they edited the article and like added a, a note from the editor, and then they just took it down altogether when they realized that no, this is just this is unsalvageable. This is really bad. It was yeah. a shitty apology as well. It was yeah. basically we're sorry if you were offended. Yeah, which is more than Lindsay Sharp did. But still, mm. <laughs> we haven't heard an apology from the Nico Hines who wrote it either. But, like not that his apology would mean jack shit to any of us. Right. But, Right, but Just, the IOC in Brazil kicked him out of the country, so... Oh, did they? Yeah. There was a beautiful reply to him from the Tongan athlete, Aminifonua. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe, if it's not extremely frowned upon in Tonga, I believe it's actually illegal to be gay. Yeah. And he's one of the few, you know, he is actually an openly gay athlete from that country, and he basically said, you know, go well, fuck yourself. How dare you do this? How dare you make so many people's lives that much harder for them? This is not what the Olympics is about. So mm-hmm. I'm glad he got trapped, but I'm sad that I'm sad that it was even published. Like they edited that. Yeah, I just I don't understand what they thought. Like, because it wasn't even like it wasn't a straight up sleazy tell all of let me tell you who's gay. It wasn't like the only premise of that entire piece was that actors used like Tinder and Grinder and all, all the dating apps to you know, to hook up within the village. And that's not neither news nor reporting. Like, there was no right. purpose to that piece. He seemed really proud that he could pull, which makes me think that he was using someone else's picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It, it was really gross. And given how really narrow and, you know, sexist and racist and homophobic the coverage had already been of the games... It just exacerbated that. It was another cherry on the shit pile. And let's be honest, there were many shit piles to get to. So many. We haven't even touched on Rio in general. Yeah. I mean, these Olympics did not begin controversy free. (laughs) Let's put it mildly. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Yeah. It was one thing where you thought, well, it can't get any worse now. Oh, what, what's that? There are parasites in the water? Oh, yeah. there's Zika? Oh, no, what's that? People are getting mugged in the streets. Like, actually mugged, not Ryan Lochte mugged. Okay. What's that? Mass corruption charges? <laughs> Ryan Lochte's hair turned green, by the way, the one he dyed white for the Olympics. Yeah, from the chlorine. Zyrig, <laughs> who's the edge of sport writer, I believe he writes for the nation, has been doing extensive coverage of the Rio Olympics, basically since Rio got the games and has covered, you know, the budget problems, people being kicked out of their homes for stadiums built there, the riots, the police strikes, the Zika, the local reality, really just how incredibly 
undemocratic the IOC has been and how they just do not seem to care. So we'll link to some of the on the subject. But the news got a whole lot worse because they just admitted they don't have enough money for the Paralympics. They've spent it all. Yeah. yeah. So there are so many Paralympians who are not going to get to compete. But there may be events that are just entirely cut. Which is just astounding, to be honest. Because four years ago, when London did the Paralympics, every event sold out. It was a huge deal. Like people came out to cheer for sports they didn't know existed. And it was an incredible atmosphere. Just to watch on TV, and we had incredibly extensive coverage of it. Channel 4 bought rights to it and treated it as well as the BBC treat the Olympics. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I'm sad that there are athletes competing this year who won't get that. But if you watched did anyone see an event at anything this year, the real that was sold out? The final of football. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yeah. I was watching equestrian stuff and there were like six people in the seats. And I understand the local people's Brazilian real opposition to this because this is just, you know, it's been a mess for them. They're the ones that have had to pay the price. But it's really strange to watch the final for something and there's like a quarter full stadium, you know? Yeah. I, I believe this is the first time the Olympics have been in South America. Is that right? I thought... That is that. true. So it's it was kind of on Rio, on the Olympic Committee and the Rio, specifically the reorganizing committee, you know, to to really make this successful. And it really fell apart. Like, I feel like they really... We, we were going to discuss, you know, what makes an Olympic successful versus doesn't. But I feel like there's a measure here at which they failed. You know, the Zika virus is not within the Olympic Planning Committee's control. Right. But also there was a government there that campaigned for this, you know, to be the Olympic nation country. And then... They, it really, it was, it's not just about building stadiums. You have to be prepared to receive, you know, this many tourists and, and all that. And that didn't, and also, but by the time the Olympics opened, that president was being impeached or yeah. investigated or. Okay, can I just quote something from Dave Zirin's piece on the Olympics, his major piece? Mm hmm. There's a shocking level of graft with a Congress in which 318 of 594 members are under investigation of facing corruption charges. Yeah. And, like, I don't know how to fix it at this point. I don't think there is a way. I don't think there is a way. Honestly, the IOC needs to look at themselves in a matter and think, you know, are we the baddies? Spoiler, yes, you are. (laughs) And I I said this on Twitter during the opening ceremony, of which I missed, like, actively watching about an hour in the middle because I had to build a futon. That what gets me about the Olympics and what one of the things that I like about it, other than I get to see sports that are only on TV every four years and I get to see a lot more women competing and it's part of this great international conversation and being able to celebrate with my friends from other countries when their countries do well is that the Olympics are not an unbroken 
tradition. They were put on hold for World War One and World War Two. So if we're having the Olympics, maybe globally, I mean, we're not doing great, but maybe we're going to be okay. And that's kind of how I feel about it. To which somebody was like, well, 1936, though. And I'm like, well, I said maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is... It's to me it's similar to the World Cup in that aspect. I love watching the World Cup. I'm not a huge football fan, but there's just something about you know nations competing against one another rather than you know whoever the billionaires can buy that I find so exciting to watch. But FIFA are the worst. Oh, yes. The laws that they put in place in Brazil two years ago, you know, Brazil banned drinking in sports stadiums because people died. Mm-hmm. And FIFA made them get rid of that law because of their sponsors. Like, that's just one of the examples. The amount of money that was forced into it. And the countries, by and large, don't even break even. They, they, they by and large, lose money on these events. FIFA's the one that pockets everything. And it's the same with the IOC. And because there's no other game in town, everyone ends up putting up with it. And there's no challenge to the, the, the culture that's made this. And you always want to say, well, I won't stand for this, I won't support it. But I do, because I really like watching the Olympics in the World Cup. Like, John Oliver had a segment about this on Last Week Tonight, where he talked about hating FIFA, but being so delighted by the World Cup that he could not watch it. Right. Like, I don't want to punish the athletes who have been working their asses off for the past four years to get to this point. Like, when Simone Biles sort of burst onto the scene in 2013, everyone was like, oh, God, she just, you know, lost the birthday lottery, and how is she going to be able to hold on until Rio? We'll see. And then she kept doing it, and everybody was like, okay, Simone, Simone, please stay healthy. Please don't break yourself. Please, 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 because we want to see what you can do in Rio. Thank God she did. <laughs> also, I just found a, a video on Twitter of Lori Hernandez watching Simone during her floor routine. Yeah, it's that's delightful. Because so <laughs> she's like doing the moves with her. <laughs> and that's when you, you know, there's a, as I said, they're the only game in town. Like, what are your alternatives? Yeah, there are, you know, national competitions or international competitions for various sports and things. But, like, NBC's not going to show them. The BBC mm-hmm. may show them on, like, a Sunday morning when everyone's in bed. And we'll all choose to watch cooking programs instead. It's what we do. But this is the only chance we really get to all come together and watch something as inc- exhilarating <laughs> as... Like, fuck, when else do I get to watch synchronised swimming? Right. When else do we give a shit about the modern pentathlon, which is really not that modern, by the way? It's not that modern. It's the most ridiculous thing, and I love it. I love it so much. It's like just it's the like whole the concept. Of, it's delightful. It's the kind of thing that I'm pretty sure they just make actors do when they're trying to be James Bond. <laughs> when else do we get to do this? You know, when else can you watch equestrian events that aren't on a premium cable channel when else can you watch rhythmic gymnastics which are just on as we're speaking yep when else can you watch speed walking which is amazing right it's so amazing just the hip action 
It's like watching a Rihanna video. Right. <laughs> or as Elise described it, it's it's sort of the the walk you to when you're like, I really, really need to poop. <laughs> it is, it is totally <laughs> when else can I do any of these things? And I think the IOC knew that and I think they're perfectly willing to hold it hostage for that. Yeah. Which is how you see like with FIFA, that's how you see guitar getting to host a world up. You know, Qatar have some of the worst labor laws in the world. You know, people are held hostage in Qatar, take their passports taken away, they die in dangerous conditions to build these stadiums, and FIFA don't care. The next World Cup is going to be held in Moscow, I believe, or in Russia, and mm-hmm. given Russia's LGBTQ laws, it's hard for people to talk about inclusivity and supporting gay athletes when they do that. The worry with the, the Olympics we had is that uh, the next Winter Olympics, not coming after it, I believe is being held in China. Yeah, so the next three Olympic Games are all in Asia. The upcoming uh, winter ones are in South Korea. Then we go to Japan for the Summer Games and to Beige- back to Beijing, China for the Winter Games after that. But it was the same thing when so- Sochi got the, world, the Winter Olympics. It was like, do you guys get snow? Right. And I mean, it's been noted that most of the countries who actually want the games are kind of undemocratic dictatorship types generally at this point, because people who you feel like they have a say in their government are like, no, we don't. We don't want this, which is what happened with Boston. And yeah, why Boston pushed back, man. We pushed back real hard. Yeah, that's kind of the push and pull of the Olympics. Everybody loves the idea of watching them, but nobody wants to host them. Yeah. And so the idea of having like a permanent games set up in Greece and somewhere with cold and mountains that mm-hmm. is likely to remain cold and mountainy for the time being, I don't know where that is at this point. But don't worry, climate change isn't real. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I don't... I don't I don't know if Greece has the stability for that. I like the symbolism of it. I I don't know if that would help Greece or hinder it in its quest to kind of figure out yeah. their own economy. I think that's one of the reasons that they're putting off doing an idea like that. Even though ultimately it would probably be more stable and less of an undemocratic fuck up. Yeah. <clears throat> Even though, you know, I'm quite excited to see what Tokyo will do in 2020. Mm-hmm. Partly because Akira is set in 2020 and they have Olympics in Akira and I want to see if they tie that in somehow. Nice. Because I'm childish and petty. But also, you know, there is something to be said about every country who hosts it bringing something of themselves and their culture and their ideas to the games. I wasn't wild about Rio's opening ceremony, but when they acknowledged the role that slavery played in making their nation, I was very moved. I mean, like, I didn't think that would happen. Rio's opening ceremony was very political in that they also had this very staunch environmental message. Yep. Which I and liked. That's, that's kind of been their whole thing. Mm-hmm. That's... Which is slightly ironic given how many people's houses and stuff they've knocked down. Right. Right. And they actually, like, acknowledged that slavery was a huge part of their history, which is more than any U.S. games has ever done. Up with people, that's the American thing, right? 
yeah. Like, there's, there's no reason to discuss that unpleasant history. There's just, why would you do that? It's well, just going to ruin society, people's... everyone. <laughs> it's just going to ruin everybody's day. I mean, why do you want to... kind of did something similar with our opening ceremony in London. Our opening ceremony, like, the, the starting point for the, the theme was the Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. But there was a segment during that where when a boat came in and that boat was the original ship that brought immigrants over from the West Indies which you know a lot of people didn't really sort of acknowledge when it happened but it was a really big deal for them to put that into the ceremony because they sure weren't going to be put slavery in it also did anyone else be worried that Giselle was going to fall when they did that Girl from Ipanema bit that, the Giselle during the Girl from Ipanema was weird because all she did was just stride across yeah. the stage yeah. All the way, all the way. I mean, it was a, she was she looked very nice doing it, but yeah. I kept on expecting something to happen when she finally got there. But no, like that was the point. Look no, at like Giselle she walk. walked, and the lights went off, and she left. And then she got to you know dance, um, very enthusiastic. Like watching her dance enthusiastically in the crowd was cute, but. It was very sweet, but it was sort of like, I feel like something else was supposed to happen and then it got cut. Hmm. I think there was something she was supposed to do and they cut that, right? Catch a ball thrown by her husband? He's too busy. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. We're talking about the Olympics. We're talking about generally happy things. Um. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> by the way, that opening ceremony was when I really realized how fucked up the NBC coverage is because you guys started it an hour and a half late. I've never in my life even considered that a possibility that somebody wouldn't broadcast it live. Yeah. How many breaks did you guys get during that? I can't count that high. I saw brief clips of the Parade of Nations and just... The, the sheer level of ignorance on display. Everything was either in connection to America or just we don't know who these people are. Yeah. Um, so as nations would come in, and you know, we certainly skipped some of the lesser important ones, um, they would have a graphic saying the name of the country and usually a little map showing where this country was in the world, which was handy for some of the lesser known countries. Like I'm reasonably good at geography, reasonably. Um, but you know, I don't know where lots of things are like Tonga. I wasn't too sure where that was. I had some vague idea, uh, but they didn't actually give up the map graphic for everybody. And it wasn't countries that like, we all know where Great Britain is. We all know. Um, but they showed us where Great Britain was. But <laughs> like, like Latvia or other countries that I can't. I mean, this was two weeks ago. So much has happened since then. I'm sorry. But there were other countries that they like just didn't give us the map at all. And I don't know why. I, I think maybe they couldn't find them on the map. <laughs> Take the kids 40 minutes to find Canada on the map. <laughs> See, we got it live, but by the time it was broadcast in Britain, it was about half past midnight. So I didn't watch it live. I watched it the next day. I yeah. Just it. Uh, but we got the full thing, obviously, because BBC don't do ads. There were certainly moments where 
the commentators were a little bit like vaguely colonialist in tone when talking about like a lot of the African and mm-hmm. uh, oceanic countries, like especially the ones that we still run. Yeah, but it, generally it was okay. Like, there's only so many times you can say, "And here's this country." And they competed several times, and here's what they're good at. And it was clear that they kind of got a little bored just waiting for us because we're you, <laughs> which we take a while to come out. Yeah, I, I got to give it to the CBC commentators. They did kind of a, a good mix of like, well, here's this country, here's their flag bearer. Either they've never won a medal or this, 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 how many medals they've won, and you know, and keeping up the tone. Mm-hmm. We did have commercial breaks, but then we'd come back and be like, here are the countries you missed, and here's where we are now. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that you didn't realize that we weren't live because I kept telling you, like, we haven't started yet. We haven't started yet. We haven't, no, we haven't started yet. And then the coverage started at 8 p.m., which was an hour late. And then we had a half hour of here's Rio and here's the stuff we expect to see. And here's Olympians that we have prepared packages on. And now we'll get started with the opening ceremony. Yeah. I think yeah. it just didn't get through to me. I'm sorry. You like you were very clear. I, I just couldn't yeah. like wrap my brain around the I'm not watching it yet. Right. <laughs> I think maybe I figured you haven't turned the TV on yet or something. Like yep. No. <laughs> no. And we're gonna be taped. We're not starting coverage of the closing ceremonies until 8 p.m. tonight, which will certainly be delayed. So, and it will go until midnight, and I will be tired at work tomorrow. Because I will, of course, watch the whole thing. <laughs> I will. Say, I mean, I loved that opening ceremony because I think you know it was clear that they were given a very specific budget to work with. Yep. And that budget was probably cut at least seven or eight times in the entire period. But it was organized by Fernando Morales, who directed City of God. Mm-hmm. So they had a guy who knew he was doing. And you know, I like watching people dance. <laughs> yeah. And I like the whole bright light. I think it was what we hoped for and expected from Brazil, given the circumstances. I mean, you weren't all going to get into sheer level of fart jokes that London got with theirs. No. Which I is still one of my absolute favourite things ever. I love that opening ceremony so much. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, it is on YouTube in its entirety. <laughs> and, it's wonderful. and it makes me cry every time I watch it. Weren't, there weren't that many heads of state at the reopening one, were there? No, there weren't. No. John Kerry was there for us. I he know. Yeah, I know that Wills and Kate said they weren't going to go because of Zika concerns. And also they don't do anything. Right. Well, they're going to Canada and they're bringing the kids, so. Oh, good. One royal engagement this year. <laughs> That's the, a really big issue. Right the now, South anyway. Korean team, our commentators told me, had special anti-Zika uniforms. Yep, they were all long sleeves and no shorts, and they had to, and they were soaked in insect repellent. That's very thorough. It's such a weird Olympics. I always, I have the suspicion that the reason Princess Zara didn't make the UK equestrian team because there's she's not a princess. Sorry, I haven't read that. Yeah, right. Royal she is me- member of the royal family didn't make the request. It's, I, I just have this image of the queen kind of making a phone call. It's like, she's not going. <laughs> like, my granddaughter is not going. <laughs> Apparently, the reason given she didn't make it is her horse has been very injury-prone lately. Mm. And they didn't think the horse would be 
up for it, which was really funny. Although I think it probably, you know, being, a, you know, I think they've, they've talked about wanting to have kids in the future. Mm-hmm. And we sent a like, who's a Paralympic commentator a couple of months ago to check out Rio. And he said, the doctor said, you're not planning on getting your wife pregnant in the next year, are you? He's oh. like, I don't know. He says, like, don't do that, okay? Just, just yeah. wait it out. So it was like that. Yeah. I mean, Nick Skelton's horse is also injury prone and had a bunch of suspensory ligament issues, according to our commentators. And, um, oh, there's something else I wanted to bring up in terms of coverage that I didn't realize that all of the feeds and all of the video that everybody gets is all comes from the Olympic broadcasting. Yes. Mm-hmm. And everybody sort of edits and commentates from that. I didn't. Re- I mean, now it now it occurs to me that oh, that's why you don't actually see like two hundred camera crews running around everywhere. Yeah. So that fucking makes sense. But it's also why we got a lot less shot video shots of gymnasts butts, which is good. It was also uh, you could tell how annoyed some of the commentators were during the gymnastics because it was the all round women's final. And it's like, well, we can't watch Claudia Fragapani because they won't let us. Like, the camera's on this person. We're just going to commentate on this for a bit. It was really annoying then. Which I totally understand. Yeah. Like, all of the NBC coverage, they they did tape delay in prime time, which I'm fine with. They had, they had live streams and had live stream commentary with Taryn Humphrey, who is a member of the two... Thousand gymnastics team and Jonathan Horton, who was in Beijing, and their, you know, normal dude from the street who's not as terrible as um, Al Troutwig, but very few people can be. So they were doing commentary on the live stream, and then NBC obviously has editing powers over what they show in tape delay. So like for the team final, all we got to see was the U.S., Russia, China. I think we saw uh, one or two routines from Great Britain, mostly to prove that Ellie Downey was, you know, still alive. But you know, there were four other teams on the floor, and we didn't see any indication of them at all, at all, which is frustrating. <sighs> Uh, NBC you suck and the um, like the timing of uh, swimming finals and track finals and beach volleyball games being played at midnight so that they would fit into NBC's primetime like I don't know how much money was exchanged hands for that but NBC has enough power that they can fuss with the schedule so that they can show things on East Coast primetime. There was a big bag with a dollar sign somewhere. Oh, definitely. I remember thinking how weird it was. And during swimming, for example, our commentators definitely, like, they had to go to, like, midnight and then get up. The, the swimming schedule was very weird. Yeah. Like, they started so late and they were t- saying about how it's taken such a toll of the Olympians. Like, it's just a weird competition schedule. And some of the sports really were kind of late at night. And I was like, this this is, this yeah. doesn't seem like this should be happening at 11 p.m. Yeah. Like, in Beijing, they had, like, the, 
the women's all-around final happen at like 10 a.m. Beijing time so that it could be shown live on primetime on NBC. Mm-hmm. And NBC was like, yeah, yeah, we did that. So. Why brag about that? I, I don't know. I don't know. We haven't even talked about the other big elephant peeing in a cup in the room real, <laughs> which is the Russia. Russian <laughs> athletics team. The swimmers were booed. Yeah. In fairness, one of the swimmers that was booed was a multiple drug cheat. Okay, we didn't talk about the whole controversy of where the American swimmer called out the Russian one. It's weird. Yeah. So a scandal broke out, like, what was this, about a month ago? That Russia basically admitted, yes, we have been doing this state-sponsored doping thing of our athletes for a very long time. And so there was questions about was the entire Russian team going to be banned? Will it be no Russians at Rio at all? And like we didn't know up until the day before the opening ceremonies mm-hmm. <laughs> who from Russia was going to be allowed to compete and it was like, you're cutting it a bit close there, aren't you? So like Almost every Russian um, on track and field was banned. I think there was one or two that managed to appeal in. They essentially let, what, each sport decide for themselves? Like, each sporting federation decided individually? Well, that was one report, and then the IOC was like, no, 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 we're going to let the the Court of Sport Arbitration make a decision. So, like, the FIG was like, yes, Russia can totally, they weren't part of this nonsense so we want Russia to compete in the Olympics and we were like yay we get to see Aaliyah try and defend her her title and she did exactly the same in terms of medals that she did in London which was kind of crazy and then the IOC was like well let's let the court of sport arbitration decide and we were like no we don't want an asterisk Olympics and so, by bits and pieces, some Russians got in and some did not. And one of the ones that got in was Yulia Efimova. Efimova. Yeah, Yulia Efimova. I'm glad you're here for this. It really helps. It does help. <laughs> it's, so, it went, she, she got into, well, she didn't get into, essentially, American swimmer Lily King called out Yulia and saying, um, you know, like swimming against drug cheaters. And I believe, was it Phelps who was quoted as saying he thinks he's never swam a clean race in his life? Not in that he was, that he believes every time he swam competitively, somebody in the pool with him was cheating. I remember that after this, the Lily King, Yuli Fimova thing happened, I went looking for Russian press about it, which is kind of what I bring to the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Reading in Kaylee is so much better prepared than I. But it, it was kind of sad because then I got to see things that she said, how like unsupported she felt by the swimming federation. There was this, was this after, this was a couple of years ago, but essentially um, they wouldn't pay for her coach to travel with her to one of the world competitions, competitions. And she said like, well, you know, like I'm a decorated swimmer. I do win a lot of medals. And they were like, yeah, well, those are medals you've already won. They don't mean anything to us. Mm. She's failed two drugs tests that have been reported, I believe. She failed in January 2014 and March 2016. 
she was originally banned by the International Swimming Federation in March, and then that was lifted in July, which allowed her to compete. Mm-hmm. And Lily King was not delighted about this. And there was a lot of finger wagging. There was a lot of finger wagging. Yeah, the finger wagging was a little weird. Hmm. But, like, it made me, it started out quite funny and it just became really discomforting. Yeah. Because, like, no offense, Michael Phelps, I don't need you to wag, wag your finger at anyone. Yeah. <laughs> your finger is, like, six big times bigger than everyone else's finger. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and then during the men's relay, I think, is the one I watched where the men walked out and there was, like, unified boos. And I felt really bad. And then anytime somebody... When when the entire Olympic kind of begins with an overshadowed uh, conversations about doping and, and cheating, then you kind of watch every race. And if somebody does, like, better than expected, you start, like, questioning yeah. slightly. And it's really upset because I don't want to be doing that. I want to be happy for the athletes. Right. And that's the thing is, when we were watching, I think it was the gymnastics and the Russian team were doing really well. I was like, oh, I'm really happy for them. Oh, please don't pee in the cup and let it melt. Like, you can't help but think that it casts a huge shadow. It's the same thing. Like, everyone who now competes in the Tour de France mm-hmm. is going to have that hanging over them. Chris Froome, who's the British guy, won his third Tour de France title in a row. And pretty much the second question everyone had about it was, so what do you think he's on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I felt immense sympathy for every Russian athlete who had to put up with that. It's just like I felt, you know, immense sympathy for every woman who's had to go through that disgusting gender test. Yeah. The, the, the way that fairness is dictated, I find very questionable. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, there's a liminality to the way that it's done. It's like the goalposts are consistently being moved to decide what fairness is. Like, oh, it's not fair that Katie Ledecky competes because she's tall and so much better than everyone else. Like the whole point is, it's excellence to compete. It's about those who are at the peak of their physical condition competing. Mm-hmm. So I was really uncomfortable with that. I mean, I was really <laughs> uncomfortable with armchair commentators don't stop this year. But I don't, I don't subscribe to the idea that you shouldn't criticize something unless you do it. Because you know, I'm a book critic and I've never written a book. I don't think that matters. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't have to direct movie and no Suicide Squad was garbage, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. But I was so annoyed by like, oh, you're shit because you came, you know, eight in this race out of the top ten fastest people on the planet. I found that really unfair. Yeah. Because like Sarah Robles got it, the first American to win a weightlifting medal in sixteen years, and all these blokes were like, oh, she's fat. It's like she could crush you. <laughs> and you're still saying this get over yourself I can't wait to see your peak physical body with your Olympic medal yeah oh man I don't even want to get started with the body policing that went on this year mm-hmm. that's the thing about being an like a high profile athlete you're on display in some really like weird way uncomfortable ways and there are people who really don't know how to remain respectful and and some of those people are, you know, paid commentators. It's not just, you know, the random masses on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I think if, you have, if you're a high-profile athlete, you really have to know how to tune out a whole bunch of bullshit to do this. Yeah. And the way that people tried to be positive but still ended up doing a lot of body shaming was really strange. It's like, these women have chosen strength over being stick-fin models. And it's like, 
Well, that's what their sport requires. You can still do a lot of incredible athletic things if you have a smaller body or a bigger body or whatever, you know? Yeah. They're athletes and they have bodies. Therefore, they have the bodies of athletes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's a weird conversation that, to bring it back to gymnastics, because it always does, that (laughs) tends to happen around gymnastics, but also gets involved in rhythmic gymnastics and synchronized swimming or, you know, feminine coded sports going, God, it's just so feminine coded. I hate it so much. And I'm like, wait, so why is that bad exactly? Why are we saying that the women's gymnastics should be more like dude gymnastics as opposed to saying, hey, dudes, why don't you uh, try being a little bit more artistic with your time? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you put your glitter on. Yeah, put your glitter on. Let's let's see you, you know, do a, a dancey leap sequence. Yeah. Oh, I would have loved it if Lewis Smith had put that glitter spray in his man bun. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. So, like, why are we why are we saying that this feminine coded stuff is a negative to the sport? That makes me super uncomfortable. That, like, I know you're trying to be egalitarian, but it it leads into this, well, androgyny is really just more masculine-coded than anything else. And, and that's how you get all the shit that Castor Semenyans had to go up against. Right. So but there's no way to win that. If no. you're too, you know, feminine in a sport like gymnastics, it's like, oh, well, this isn't real sports. Yeah. Or what synchronized swimmers are doing, which is bonkers, by the way. Completely bonkers. I got to watch some of it. It was amazing. <laughs> oh my god, it was amazing. Egypt's team did their routine to a disco version of a Lion King. <laughs> so beautiful. But like that requires such a level of skill and physical exertion. And the way it was like, ah, sparkly, silly lady sports. It was like, those, le- those women could beat you up. Yeah, exactly. Well, they should have to improve their point. It's always about you know, how to improve your physical strength. But Another one where I think about this is beach volleyball because we still have those yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uniform requirements of men compete in like not a t-shirt but like a tank top and shorts but women have to be in tiny bikinis. Right. I that has definitely been relaxed. Is, was it Egypt's team was yeah. wearing full coverage? Okay, but that was a whole the way other that was fun as well. Yeah. I saw coverage no. of that and it was so weird because what happened was Egypt is, I think at least, I don't know if they both were because I wasn't watching. I was, I just saw photos. At least one of them was in a full body cover, right? Yeah. And the press she got, I'll link um, the source if I can find it. Essentially, there were people going, um, there were people kind of go from country, from Middle East, from Egypt going, oh, she's like reversing progress. This isn't what we should be going towards. We should be we being portrayed as like backwards and not modern. And then the Middle Eastern swimmers who did just wear regular one-piece swimsuits, like the one who was a refugee who, like, pushed the boat of 18 people, yeah. you know, to safety. Oh, the the comments on Twitter for that were, well, she should have died in that boat rather than shame us by appearing naked. And like, you could not win. No. no. If you're a Middle Eastern woman, all. there is no winning for you. Right. And, and as pointed out, the Egyptian beach volleyball team chose to wear those outfits. The right. Germans they were competing against could not choose another outfit other than the bikini. Yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah. And there was a stupid so, tweet with that picture saying like, well, like, in well, one woman's Which culture oppressed. do you want to be a part of? I'm like, yeah. the one that lets me choose. choose. Yeah. Right. And there was at least one game that 
the American team of Carrie Walsh Jennings and April Ross, her new partner, they were wearing um, long sleeve shirts under their bikini tops because, you know, it was midnight and it was chilly because they were playing a beach volleyball game at fucking midnight. But yeah, the whole your uniform is a bikini is. It makes me super uncomfortable. Like, don't do that. But it's the way that they seem. People, some people seem so eager to see women in those kind of scantily clad outfits as yeah. some kind of progress. Like, keep in mind, one of the Egyptian beach volleyball players who did wear the full cover up. She's nineteen years old, and the way that there were people who just seemed to be desperate to see a nineteen-year-old girl paraded around in a bikini for their amusement. There was just yeah. kind of like, you really don't give a shit about women, so don't play this card. You know? Right. Funny how you only care about the rights of Muslim women when you can use it to batter all women. So yeah, men don't do that shit. Women don't do it either, but you know. I kind of wanted to end on a happy note, but I don't know. This Olympics, <laughs> the sports make me happy, but all the bullshit around it is just right. so relentless. Yeah. But let, let's end on uh, other Olympic moments that made us happy. Okay. I was especially delighted by David Katoato from Kiribati, who is a weightlifter. Didn't win, but did some wonderful dancing off the stage in order to raise awareness for the fact that Kiribati is sinking into the ocean due to global warming. Okay, that doesn't doesn't actually... (laughs) That's a really dark I'm sorry. But he was wonderful. He actually competed in the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow two years ago and won Kiribati's first gold medal for pretty much anything. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was wonderful, and he brought out his guitar and sang for everyone. It's the first time someone's ever brought out an acoustic guitar, and people were happy. <laughs> anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> um, I also I loved Andy Buddy winning. It took four fucking hours for him to beat Juan Del Potro. Four hours. And then he broke his little uh, thing, which was really cool. Keep in mind, he also won Wimbledon a couple months ago, so... Andy Murray's having a good year. Yeah. <laughs> so here. No pressure on the man. For a man. What else did I love? I mean, I love Britain did so well in gymnastics. We got more medals this year than we have, like, the past 50 years combined. I love that we were doing so well in really random things, like paddling and canoeing. I liked that I, on British TV, John and Fidel, the really sexist reporter, was doing a segment with Steve Redgrave, who's a five-time Olympian, five-time gold medal winner at Olympics in a row. Hates the man, and one of the ways that he proved, you know, tried to show his distaste for the man was he had his umbrella and he was shaking the umbrella in the direction of John Dale that was wet, mm-hmm. which is as British a response to anything as you will ever see. <laughs> I was just generally delighted to watch the most random sports. Like I got excited to watch wrestling. <laughs> my dad was just highly bemused by it. Oh my god, there was a, there was one wrestler who hadn't quite tucked. Oh no! And yes, the angle he stood at, you you could see it, mm-hmm. and it seemed to be pointing in a very specific direction. Uh huh. And my, bless, my poor dad has never laughed so hard in his life. Oh. He paused it and waited for my mom to come home so he could show her it. It was cool to watch wrestling. It was just cool to watch something that never gets coverage here, you know? Yeah. And surprise swimming. 
and gymnastics and fencing and taekwondo and pole vaulting and shot putt and hammer throw and discus and just all of the stuff that we never see on TV. And to have the commentators who knew what they were talking about. Yeah. Like, by and large, we were pretty decent. Great Britain, by the way, uh, while in third in overall medal standings, has more gold medals currently than the second place China. This is the proudest we've been since colonialism. Without <laughs> 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 having to actually invade and enslave a country. Also, Pierce Morgan was offering money to charity for every athlete who sang the national anthem when they got their medal. So now, out of spite, I'm hoping none of them sing it. But I was excited to watch, like, handball. I have no idea what handball is, and it was great to watch. Hell, I enjoyed watching badminton, which was sort of this weird mixture of graceful and aggressive. <laughs> it's just this tiny little shuttlecock flying through the air, and they're just sort of like, they start out gently patting it, and then it turns into, like, drag-down aggressiveness. It's brilliant. Yeah. I, I miss that, you know? I miss, I'm going to miss that when it ends. <laughs> but we have a channel called Eurosport, where they show a lot of European coverage of sports, and usually after about half ten at night, they just start showing random shit. So you end up watching... I, I was watching it one night, and there was chariot racing. Ha, there was ha, one night... There's another night I watched it, and it was ten-pin bowling. No, 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 go, go back to chariot racing. How is that still a thing? I don't know. Ben Hartfield just came out. It might be in rehearsal. Like, are they actual chariots? Like... Yeah, they were actual chariots. Huh. Huh. It was really strange. I'm going to have to look up more to remember it. But you got sports like that. There was ten-pin bowling, which seemed to be exclusively Americans competing. Yeah. I watched it one night at, like, one o'clock in the morning when I couldn't sleep, and it was ballroom dancing competitions. Like, we don't get to watch this stuff any other time here unless you're a freaky insomniac like me. Right. So I'm going to miss that, and I'm sad that so much seems to be getting cut Paralympics, because I think it's, it, we should have more coverage of Paralympics, and we don't get it. Yeah. Raiden, your favorite Olympic moments? Oh, um, watching other countries that hadn't meddled in gymnastics get medals like Sonny Weaver getting Netherlands first gold in gymnastics since 1928 and like the last time the Netherlands got gold in gymnastics was the team competition and somebody dug around to find out what happened to that team and half of the team was Jewish and all but one of them died in the Holocaust and it took until the late 90s for somebody to to be able to figure that out because they'd gotten married and it took a lot of digging to find the marriage records and everything so and (laughs) and having her twin sister be there to watch that happen um Julia Steingruber from Switzerland getting a bronze on vault was a definite thing like she's been working so hard and for so long and to finally get an olympic medal it was just like oh my god um when the um the two brazilian guys got silver and bronze oh my god and they were just sobbing yeah yeah like nori 
in the fetal position while he was waiting for the final score to come up to find out if he was actually going to meddle or not has now entered the Jim Turnett lexicon as Noreen is you're just like cowering waiting for a score to come up whether it's yours or not so that was great like the US actually meddling in equestrian stuff I didn't really expect that that was pretty cool and being able to watch the the cross country, I love cross country, and seeing the inflatable vests work. Like I didn't want anybody to fall, but but that was you know. yeah. <laughs> Did anyone else think that the um, cross country event this year for the equestrian seemed really difficult? Yeah, our commentators were like, "This is a fucking insane course." It seemed very high. Yeah, it was high. It had a lot of sharp turns and narrow fences and difficult approaches. And unfortunately, that's what did Mr. Fox Pit in. Being able to watch Usain Bolt in what is probably his last Olympics, especially the semifinal for the 200 when he yes. and DeGrasse from Canada were just grinning at each other. Mm. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, you're trying to catch up on me. Not going to happen, though. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and Simone Manuel winning the first individual gold medal for an African-American woman, given the really kind of horrific history of African-Americans and swimming in, in this country. Like, there are people in the I, I want to say the grown-up generation <laughs> who don't know how to swim because they were not allowed in pools like people would pour acid in pools to keep African Americans out mm. like that's that's kind of what that metal was resting on and all the people who came before her she talked about is just that oh, was a wonderful moment and Allie getting her her all around, given that she didn't get a bronze in London because of ridiculous tiebreaker rules. So, um, and you know she's a Massachusetts girl. We're all very proud. Yeah, when um, even for his semi-final of the solo event was really disastrous. When Tom Daly won his bronze for the synchronized jump. Mm -hmm. And him and his partner, Dan Goodfellow, were waiting for it to come in. And when they saw that it got bronze, they just hugged each other and fell in the pool. <laughs> I thought it was very sweet. I remember, and he's 22 years old. He's got plenty of time. Leave him alone. Plenty of time. Absolutely. What about you, Elena? This is going to sound corny, but... It's the Olympics. But... Corn is kind of what it feeds on. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite actual just single moment would probably be the opening ceremony, because... At the opening ceremony, and this kind of happens every every time there's an Olympic, it hits me. I get that moment of, you know, the end of miscongeniality where you go, I really do want world peace. <laughs> the, the, it happens. And I was like, I might have been like skeptical about it or making fun of like feeding on the controversies. But when the opening ceremony happens, like I want all of these people to do well. Uh, get your medals and you go get your chips. fulfill your dreams. Yeah. I remember when I watched it four years ago, and I was, I was like a lot of people in Britain, I was so cynical, I didn't care, and I thought, okay, I'll tune in and I'll watch like 10, 15 minutes of it, and within 10 minutes, I was sobbing. 
It was just like, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and, oh, and after that, it just kind of always. gets me in, you know, kind of the Olympic spirit of just cheering everybody on as as the, you know, the two weeks or however long it was three weeks uh, goes by. And it was just really happy. But uh, the the mood in Canada, because of how well our women were doing in swimming. So, like, we, we started with that bronze and relay and just every night, like, oh, you know, Penny Alexa got the, like another gold or we qualified or we did well. And I was like, yeah. And it's like the first time since I think the 70s, like Canada hasn't been doing well in that sport. And I think that's both men and women for a while. So they had the last Canadian to medal in swimming it's it's a, he's a man and they would bring him into the commentator booth and he was tearing up he was so happy he was like go penny like he was so into it <laughs> all these girls did well so i don't know it was really sweet there's a moment that happens in the closing ceremony and i'm getting all emotional just thinking about it <laughs> listen to the free us for fuck's sake I know, um, where the president of the IOC says, in four years' time, I call upon the youth of the world to gather in Tokyo and show everybody what you're doing. And it's just like, oh my god, it's a stop it. (laughs) (laughs) So, like... I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm a little sorry. You're not. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. But it, it goes back to that maybe we're going to be okay. See, this is why, despite everything, I do really believe that Olympics have a place in our culture and our society. Because when, you know, he makes that plea to the youth of the world, and you do know that there are young kids who watch these and they look at that screen and somebody wins a medal and they think like, I want to do that. Like it does, maybe it's a small amount of people, but it does make the world that much a little bit better when they get to have a dream and work towards it and maybe fulfill it one day. Oh yeah. Yeah. There are so many people. And there was a picture of a little black girl copying Simone Biles or Simone Manuel. Like that hit hard. Yeah. Uh Because it is a big deal to see someone who looks like you doing something that people have told you you could never do. Yeah. Uh I'll actually call out before we finish one specific moment out of this opening ceremony is that they have a new thing now where they have an award. They had the inaugural like law. Oh yeah. The... And it went to the president of the Kenyan Olympic organization who was an Olympian in his youth. And apparently he's uh, kind of spent his post athletic career uh, opening like a house for orphan children and then starting a school. And he really believes that in the kind of children are a future. And if you give them an education, you, you get to build a better world, and I thought that was very touching. And it's the thing, is, no matter how cynical you are, and no matter how much you hate the IOC, and I hate the IOC, they know how to really carefully orchestrate these moments for mm-hmm. maximum emotional impact. As you can tell by the fact that we're all crying like we're watching Titanic or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought we were ending this in a happy <laughs> So we'll end on that, and... Uh... In two years' time, we'll see what the winter youth of the world have been doing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. So this has been episode 47, I believe. Yep. It's still 47. It's been a while, but yeah. it's still 47. It's, it's been so long, our actual recording software has cut off in the middle to tell us you guys have talked enough. So. Yeah. <laughs>
Don't worry, listen, it wasn't just we're, you. we're not sorry, though. We're not <laughs> So, we'll be back next month to talk about something. something. <laughs> we don't know what we'll yet. Get, we'll get there, it's fine. We'll get there. Sometimes we know, most of the time we don't. Let me get through editing this one first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This has been our this has been our Olympic coverage. We've tried to be more fair than NBC, <laughs> and we won't have any gifs for you because NBC and the IOC won't let us. Yeah, we'll find some shirtless athletes or something for you. I have definitely, a few. <laughs> definitely, go fuck yourself. Has you covered? We will link. Yep. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to Anglophies, a made-of-fail production.